plan to spice up the NFL season was to add man-eating tigers to the game. <laughs> we lost a lot of great players that day, and, and that was my bad. Now I'm bringing you the Caesars Sportsbook app. It's got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesars rewards, people. It's even better than Tiger Ball. Must be 18. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. again to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. My name is Rachel and joining me today is Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi. Hey. How's it going? It's going good. It's been one heck of a summer, I tell you. It's, uh, we've just had a pretty huge heat wave that is only just now coming down from, uh, from the most uh, recent rainstorm, but uh, it's been a very, very busy summer, hence why I think it's been difficult to find i think either of us to swing time for for recording lately but uh it's it has been a bit of a crazy one it's not been we've not been blessed well i understand it's it's not a laughing matter but like we've not really been blessed with a heat wave in the uk it's been (laughs) it's been what you'd call um the coke classic of summers Mm. in the uk where it's sort of like uh yeah it's not been massively um it's a very it's like yeah, we're recording this on August Bank Holiday weekend, and it's like, it's a what I know is a classic August Bank Holiday weekend where it's sort of like cloudy <laughs> and and like barely twenty uh, degrees. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been like so someone so someone the other day say like twenty twenty one is like a filler episode of a year. Oh my god, that that just. Wow, I just never knew that you could just put an idea of a whole year into a box, but uh, yeah, there it is. That's we kind just, of how I feel about all of 2021. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, but so it's been like a sort of like a weird sort of sleepy, lazy summer mixed with like cautious socializing side to happen. And I've yeah. not really had like, you know, um, and I've unfortunately, like, unfortunately, but, you know, I'm an adult, so I have to, I've been working as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mean, so it's sort of like, we're having like a sort of, this episode's like meant to be like our sort of um, lazy late summer catch up mm-hmm. um, of an odd year where a few things have fallen through the cracks. Um, so we haven't watched everything, obviously, but um what we've watched and what we mm-hmm. think is cool and just yeah. we're just going to chat about animation for a bit yeah nice yeah that, that 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 nice little that nice comfort food or the um the 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 late summer cocktail that you're just sipping on your back porch or whatever as the the heat swelters so like that's that's the kind of mood i'm in for this particular episode so i hope that you'll you all listening to this episode will join us and uh yeah, let's 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 start with uh, some of the stuff. I think you had a chance to watch some stuff from uh, from the Fantasia Fest that happened this year. Yeah, I've been trying to be a good boy and keep up with Fantasia Fest. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great festival, um, and um, I've managed to see a few things. Um, just going to go over the highlights. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, well, I think the first one. Um, that I was probably the most uh, uh, looking forward to was um, 
Satoshi Kon, The Illusionist, mm-hmm. uh, which is a documentary, a French documentary, um, basically uh, championing the films and life and work of uh, Satoshi Kon. Right. Um, the uh, Japanese uh, filmmaker who uh, who who died, uh, you know, um, uh, unexpectedly about ten years ago, I think. Um, right. uh, and anyway, so yeah, it's a documentary that's um, it, it's it's very uh, nice and linear. It basically just follows the the arc of his career from. Uh, you know his uh, his early work uh, as um, as a manga artist, and then slowly, sort of, um, you know, through working with uh, Katsuro Tamo and Mamoru Oshii mm-hmm. uh, on on a on an anthology film called Memories, uh, which is where uh, he directed uh, he first directed anything. Um, and then from there, it just sort of goes through his filmography. So it's quite a nice, um, like I said, linear um, documentary that sort of, but it has lots of interesting talking heads from all sorts of um, people who worked with him, animators, producers, um, some really interesting insights from uh, anime scholars uh, ah. that um, I found like very, very interesting. Um, and then, like, I think, like, the most famous sort of talking heads being, like, uh, Darren Aronofsky, mm-hmm. who, uh, um, who tries to set, set the record straight about his homaging Satoshi Kon um, oh. in his films. And, um, you know, is, uh, yeah, so, so, so and, and also um, some, some quite honest... Uh, uh, you know, portraits of Khan drawn by, uh, um, you know, drawn in interviews with uh, his his uh, pr- uh, his uh, producing partners over over, uh, over the years, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, essentially, it's but basically, it's just sort of a oh, and then at the very end of the film, there is, um, you know, they they dive into the fact that when he when he passed away he was sort of halfway through making his his latest uh, film. Right. And they sort of go into a little bit of like what that was going to be um, in terms of, uh, from a production standpoint, how it was meant to be like uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, embrace younger animators and to, um, and to bring in new talent Right. Um, and not so, not so much like what the film is going to be, because I don't think it's ever really going to be made or see much of the light of day, unfortunately. Um, so there, yeah, wasn't, so there wasn't a lot there then. There wasn't a lot there then in terms of like uh, like showing actual like character designs or anything like that. There's, the- there's some character designs and I think like some rough layouts and storyboards maybe that they show and, and a hint of what it was going to be like supposedly a more family friendly film. OK. Um, which Sorry, is very interesting. Uh, considering, um, uh, you know, the, his output up until that point, in fact, that his first film was like a horror movie and like a lot of his Perfect films are not, yeah, the first, yeah, you know, like a lot of his stuff is not appropriate for children or families. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as a documentary, I felt like it was a strange case of 
well, this is a nice introduction to Kong if you don't know his stuff. But if you do know his stuff, it's sort of like it's not diving too deep into what makes him tick. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you've not seen, um, you know, quite a few uh, um, like video essays by like the ones by Tony Jow, who did uh, everything right. in a painting. Um, you know, a few of the points sort of repeated there. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad it exists because it's a genuine celebration of his work and like an attempt, like I said, to figure out a little bit of who the man is, but at a respectful distance. And I think possibly the most uh, remarkable thing about it for me was the fact that um, it focused on what he did and only uh you know it kind of barely mentions uh his his passing um mm -hmm. which you know is like a strange sort of like backhanded compliment but I, I genuinely think that that was um uh that was a nice thing that it did um yeah so you know uh like i said it's not going to um it might disappoint you if you're looking for a lot more mm -hmm. um but it's not uh, sugar-coated as it also could have been. Which is good because sometimes documentaries like that tend to be a little like, like you said, like you said, I think you just chose the perfect adjective, sugar-coated, like completely just singing praises all yeah. day long as opposed to having an honest discussion about who the man was and what work he made. Yeah, and I think that it's definitely, you know, with someone, with a, with a director who, um, who made films that are still clearly relevant, you know, to Tony Jow actually said this in his video essays that he makes films about people in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're going to continue to be relevant and the conversations, you know, a lot of the themes are still relevant. And obviously the documentary mentions this. So at the very least, I hope that the documentary uh, crosses uh, some people who might not be familiar with his work and mm -hmm. uh, serves as an entry point, um, which is no bad thing. Okay, the biggest <laughs> surprise for me of the festival uh, was um, a film that, um, you know, uh, I saw it on the program list and it's sort of, frankly, there's this thing that happens every now and again with animated films where mm -hmm. you see a glimpse or animated projects, not just films, like, uh, not even just animation, uh, sometimes comic books as well, where you see something and you feel like I was on DeviantArt in the early 2000s and with, with, with the whole burst of like uh, furry art, essentially. Oh yeah, the anthropomorphic, and there's a, yeah. And there's a slight sort of like um, uh, I was thinking about something for a second, uh, like, uh, uh, like something makes you pause when you see a certain uh, aesthetic. And basically yeah. that's what this film looked like to me. I was like, oh my God, this is like some furry thing. I'm mm -hmm. not so into this. And I thought, look, mm -hmm. just put it on. And <laughs> I was delighted by Hayop Car, the, the Nympha uh, de Mano story, which is a Filipino uh, animated film, which, um, essentially is like a is like a parody 
uh, of Filipino uh, soap operas, uh, telenovelas. Oh. Um, and it's just delightful. It's really funny. It knows exactly what it's skewering. Um, and it's, you know, like, like all good parody movies, it understands how to write a line between uh, being fun, but also involving you. And do you know, by the end of the movie, like I was thoroughly invested in these characters. And, oh, wow. Um, and I felt like uh, an old auntie, like watching a soap opera. There were times in the movie where I was like, oh, no, oh, what? no, she can't. No, he hasn't. And like, it was, it was getting all of those reactions out of me. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's central character is, uh, this, this sort of, uh, cat. They're all anthropomorphic characters. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 the, you know, the, the, the thing is that, um, one of the, my favorite things about it is it's very, very culturally specific. It is mm -hmm. specifically about um, Filipino, uh, uh, like I said, soap operas and, and actually, but also just the rhythms of life. So the film actually um, has a mix of, uh, you know, uh, English and Filipino, and it's sort of used as, um, uh it's used as a um by the way i don't know the official language of the philippines so i said filipino but i might be completely wrong there yep. um but they but also like some characters speak english and some don't and it's sort of used as sort of like a a status uh symbol okay. um so there are lots of like interesting social uh what i feel like social commentaries going through the film Mm -hmm. um and actually like you know there's also they include there's a sequence where she calls um sort of like their equivalent of like an, an agony aunt on the radio mm -hmm. um and uh it's a guy who essentially gets these calls from lonely hearts or people with problems excuse me people with problems and the way of dealing with them is by ridiculing and huh. people sort of like, it's sort of like a sort of um, putting people in the stocks kind of thing. And people, uh, uh, you know, call in to the show and sort of nominate themselves to be sort of like ridiculed, like by this, uh, by this host. But there's an element of like, well, that's how you reach uh, the truth. So it's sort of like this interesting mix of um, brutal honesty and, and like I said, humiliation, but it also mm -hmm. leads to um i mean yeah so it's sort of it, it questions all sorts of things about um entertainment um where we get our kicks uh mm -hmm. who where your loyalties lie um particularly um i don't want to spoil too much but there's uh there's an element of the film which is um which to me uh felt like it was again culturally specific uh but also then like like anything that's supposedly culturally specific mm -hmm. there are many elements which are, are relatable and universal um there's an element of oh she's a rural girl who's moved to the city uh from the country and she's left her family behind and there's some feeling of like um 
should there be any guilt there from her uh, from her from her mother and her sister and she's at the same time like supporting her sister through college and like sending her money but it turns out that it's not actually college that she's supporting and it's it's full of all of these like i said these like soap opera turns right that, yeah and, and that unless the hands could be cheap but it's it's like i said it's like my favorite type of parody where um there's also clearly a lot of love for what it's curing it reminds yeah. me basically of like um you know like the edgar wright sort of um uh approach where it's like oh look sean the dead is a comedy but it's serious about horror and this i feel is serious about melodrama as well mm-hmm. um in the same way um so yeah it's called high up car which is supposedly um a phrase that you hear a lot on these cheap uh, soap operas, which literally translates to "you animal," so it's like <laughs> the, the title's a pun. I um, love that. that uh, that's uh, that's so clever with the with the setting and the t- the type of characters we're dealing with. Yeah. So it's um, uh, so far it, no word on a U.S. or, or um, uh, you know. Um, release unfortunately uh out you know in the in the us or the or the, or, or europe um it's currently it's so like it's doing like the festival circuits at the moment and i think because of the way festivals are at the moment the mm-hmm. festival circuit is a little bit extended so uh, it's currently on netflix in the philippines um uh and and some other territories um so I just recommend like keeping an eye out for it, and there are some clips on YouTube. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just found the trailer. That you can see, and like this pilot film and 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 everything there. But it really feels like, um, and I know this is very easy to say, like looking from the outside, but like like a labor of love from one studio. And there are, and actually the um, the uh, the end credits is this delightful collage of like everyone from the studio, like. Um, it sort of it looks like a um, like a notice board the the actual rolling credits oh wow um, and it's like clearly like people from the studios like fan art that they've made like along the way and like lots oh, of memes and things that's, and, that's awesome um, it, but it really got me excited about animation again because there's some amazingly like okay like there are cat fights <laughs> like like any soap opera but they do them like action scenes. So they've got some kick ass there's some kick ass action in there as well. And um oh, and it ends on a very um well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even mention the ending because it's it's just too much it's too much fun to um to discover yourself. But uh-huh. yeah, absolutely like a highlight for me of um of Fantasia Fest. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at the we'll include the uh I found the trailer here on YouTube and we'll include that in the uh the show notes so if people want to get um, a visual idea of what this uh this m- movie looks like you have an opportunity to at least take a look at it and see if it's for you um but i do really like the idea like it's a very colorful film like all the hmm. different like layouts of the different scenes and it's really like, beautifully it's- designed and it's definitely a film where um i can sense people being excited making it there are lots of little um details and like it, there, there are more puns on the signs than like an Ardman movie 
Mm -hmm. And um, there are so many like beautiful details and moments of innovation and uh, like changing up the style suddenly to to fit a mood. Right, um, yeah, I'm noticing that in the trailer already, like when they have certain scenes, they're like, oh my God, the style looks completely different, but in a way that punctuates a moment. It's so yeah. very good. But you know, it's a real case of like, you know, like I said, it's it's not the sort of, it's a low budget film that isn't, but it's not the sort of thing that a bigger studio could make because they do take lots of risk. And like I mentioned, it's, um, it's based on, um, uh, soap operas but there are some pretty adult themes and uh i would imagine it would be like an r possibly uh like yeah yeah for sure US. um anyway so that's hype car i can't recommend that enough uh when when it reaches wherever you may be that is really cool thanks for sharing that i'll have well at least that we'll keep an eye out when it um is uh released a bit in a because you said it's on um you, you already went over where where we, people can find it so keep an eye, yeah, out, so, we'll yeah. an eye out when it's more widely available and I, I will shout from the rafters about it when it when it reaches <laughs> these shores nice okay all right um well let's talk move on to tv and that was funny how we were talking about um with the high up car that it's uh that really kind of like parody that talks like it makes fun of something but also honors it at the same time and I remember back when we um did our Star Trek episode uh specifically regarding Lower Decks that's very much what Lower Decks was all about is making fun of Star Trek but also doing it in a way that shows that it comes from a place of uh, a place of love and um it's, I was very excited to hear that they're, uh, the second season's already well underway. And I haven't had a chance to watch those episodes yet, but I know you have. So, uh, yeah. Um, I've seen, I think, like the first two. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't watched this week's yet. It's, it's just great still. And they're expanding <laughs> the, the crew and um, gently, like I mentioned, like, like, you know, events that took place last season still this season mm -hmm. um, it's just a good star trek show and mm -hmm. i think also um there's no letting down on like really 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 uh great obviously characterization is fantastic mm -hmm. um i just I, I love the crew and um it's got a very very good balance of um Kind of, it kind of like uh, you know, because because the base model for it is basically TNG, mm -hmm. um, and that era, uh, you know, right. um, of um, of Star Trek, and um, uh, it's got a very good balance of uh, not too salty, not too sweet. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really in love with the characters and I mean like you know this season they and they don't let up on the uh, on the nerdiness either the end jokes like a Tamarian joins the crew <laughs> a Tamarian um for those who remember like uh, uh classic TNG uh Tamarians are the race who um who when the crew of the Enterprise first encounter them uh their universal translator fails them because right their language is constructed entirely in metaphor 
Oh, right, 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 right. And there's so much fun that they have with, with you know, that miscommunication. And um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, like we we're saying, it's just, it's good because it's good Star Trek first and it's funny and entertaining second. And mm -hmm. it's really impressive that they do it as well because, um, you know, like they, they get through it in 20 minutes or however long the episodes are, which is, um, and is pretty satisfying. And I feel like they've also like, you know, um, this might not be true, but it feels bigger than last season already um, in terms of- uh, remember, know, I remember the last season ended ones. pretty huge as well. Like this last season ended for the pretty big thing happening where uh, one of the main characters uh, pretty much left for a different ship. And I imagine that was something, especially if you're gonna keep the same dynamic that you're not gonna, you know well they they follow through on that on that on that um you know they they, they stick to their guns like that person's nice. okay, on another great. ship so Fantastic. you see the fallout of that and i really like it when tv has the guts to yeah to not um to not wreck on itself um so we're gonna like i got like a couple more tv things to mention just very quickly and then sure, i sure. guess we'll get on to uh movie yeah so um yeah um other stuff like Mickey Mouse shorts back on Disney Plus. You gotta have more uh, of them, man. They're called the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, um, and they're just great. It's 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 a lot of the old crew from the old show, and it's pretty much it's like pretty much the same show. Uh, some episodes are a bit longer, um, mm -hmm. and it's just a bunch of people having fun making cartoons and pulling silly faces and just screwing around and they're so much fun and i'm just delighted that they're you know um that they're there for me to watch mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially um that chicken, uh, so the chicken noodle soup of animation you know it's just like when you just want to really yeah just zone out with cartoons you got you got those babies right there and they'll make you laugh your ass off they're perfect little things to watch with like a morning coffee and mm -hmm. um yeah, that's how I watch them. And the other thing I've watched my morning coffee is Jellystone, which uh -oh. is uh, an HBO Max show uh, created by C.H. Uh, Greenblatt, okay. who, um, who people might best know as, um, like, he was, he, he was like an old SpongeBob guy, but he created Chowder and Harvey Beaks. Right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And has, like, a particular sort of, like, streak of just very silly humour. Mm -hmm. and um that just translates perfectly to jellystone <clears throat> which is basically what if all the Hannibal Barra characters lived in a town called jellystone and you know bumped into each other and um I really need to give this a watch honest and to goodness it's so because... funny and they've redesigned all the characters and they've had slight little well like, okay my favorite thing about it really is this so mm -hmm. many things get rebooted nowadays with this false sense of reverence yeah. For, like recently, like there was a dad. Like I know there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out, mm -hmm. but I watched the trailer and there wasn't a single joke in the trailer. And I'm like, hang mm -hmm. on, we've lost the plot. Like, yep. Ghostbusters exists, so Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Howard Ramis, uh, you know, like have fun doing silly bits. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, rather than uh, it being Star Wars. And <laughs> what I love about Jellystone is that it's like. It obviously like has the characters um behaving as they would it doesn't completely change who they are but 
they have like a slightly different spin. So like, um, like give me an uh, example. Oh god, it's it's a really tricky one to quite put my finger on. There's just feeling of freshness with them. Um, like like uh, Yogi Bear is particularly dumb. That's that's a that's a funny one, and it's okay. it's, it's got a very silly. Um, uh, sensibility to it and um, I mean but it's also very slapstick in a way that I don't really remember a lot of um, Hannibal Barra stuff being um, not as much as like Tom and, and Jerry like, and part of the fun as well is also like one thing that Hannibal Barra did have fun doing mm-hmm. was um, uh, crossover episodes and it's like a big crossover right, where you yeah, have yeah, yeah. A, one really fun thing is that like you know in the town not everyone is nice and there is a rogue gang who causes trouble and that gang uh-huh. is the banana splits <laughs> and they like you don't want to run into the banana splits because they oh will like god. blackmail you right so it's like oh my god it's that kind of vibe and um and i'm a big fan of like lots of uh the voice cast like Paul F. Tompkins is mm-hmm. um, actually uh, uh, in one of the banana splits in the show, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, the voices are funny, and this is a funny cartoon. It's a cartoon, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I dig it a lot. So I really recommend that. Um, How long are the episodes typically? Yeah. Are they just like they're like they're they like about the length of the Mickey Ma- the Mickey Mouse uh, shorts, just like a couple? They're a bit minutes. longer. It's it's um, well, the Mickey Mouse shorts like they started making them like about four minutes and then uh they're up to like about seven minutes i think now okay um, yeah but uh jellystone is i think about 10 minutes an episode so it's like enough time yeah. to sort of like i said like uh to spend with the one character um mm-hmm. and get to another anyway uh so yeah that's uh that's that's the tvs and uh nice. what else we got rach so um the big uh, one of the big uh, we'll just we'll briefly kind of uh, talk about um, the uh, the Pixar film that dropped this uh, this summer and it was um, I oh, already yeah. I've we're already doing heard a, we're doing with, a real um, like catch up yeah so I mean obviously you know there's been some other stuff coming out like I think we I don't know if we've yet to talk about um, oh no I think in front of our previous like water coolers I talked a bit about Ryan in the last in the last dragon which was a great you know one of one of my preferred of the newer uh, Disney princess films. But uh, Luca is the latest uh, Pixar film uh, that dropped uh, earlier this summer. I actually remember um, I was at the the uh, beach when um, when it was released, and uh, then I watched it not too long while I was there. And um, and I even now going back to that same area and you know having you know sharing the space with a bunch of different like families with kids, I'm already hearing like people still are you know are still talking about it because they enjoyed it very much. Um, and it is a very charming, charming movie. It's visually, I was really kind of surprised because and I, I really wish I could put my finger on it, but the animation style that they use for this particular film really kind of like, it, it feels very different from what they've done, what Pixar films have done to, and you know, to have in terms of the, I mean, it's the style that's really kind of uh, like, at least seems really different from how they've you know animated uh people in pixar up to this point because i feel like up you know obviously depending on what you know the movie the style will change like you know the 
people in uh, Incredibles will look different from say, like when you see the people in uh, Inside Out, like Riley and her family. Um, but this particular film has a really like, the biggest thing that stands out about this movie is just so flippin' colorful and fluid and just a, a real treat to watch. But I think I got more into the story than I was anticipating. I mean, obviously, you know, Pixar, does their homework when it comes to uh, really putting, you know, putting a really unique story uh, with the visuals and making sure those two things go together. Um, and I really enjoy where, like, it, it really, at least at the start, I kind of wasn't sure where it was going, you know, at least trying to feel it out, like, okay, we're definitely having something of a coming of age story with Luca, that being the titular character. But in terms of how, that was going that journey was going to unfold I didn't really really see like most times you can like see where it's going to go and well it does fall to certain beats that I'm like okay I saw that coming mm -hmm. there were still like at least for the way that the characters interacted with each other it didn't play out the way I anticipated and I really appreciated that especially when the whole idea is that um I'll go like briefly over the plot uh Luca is a uh sea monster that lives um uh, off the coast of make sure I have the uh uh in the in the Italian Riviera in the this the, the roughly the years like the 1950s, 1960s. Um uh I think it's like off of Liguria, I, I think it is, is uh but definitely like the um uh, location in Italy, just off the ocean. He lives in the ocean, but um he start he runs into another sea monster by the name of make sure I have the cast name, uh Alberto. Uh, who is another sea monster who is very much uh, involved with exploring the, the surface world above. And Luca discovers that through Alberto that it really takes nothing for a sea monster to just get out of the water and just take on a human appearance. But as long as they stay dry, if they stay, if they get wet, then they go mm -hmm. right back into their sea monster form. But the idea is that Luca becomes very enamored with all these new things that Alberto shows him about the human world and they both want to explore it more. And um, obviously Luca's parents don't really, uh, don't really agree with that. And because they're, you know, oh, they'll, you know, they'll get us with harpoons and that kind of thing. Um, so Luca quite literally runs away from home with Alberto and they, leave the kind of like their, their, their safe haven for the sea monsters and actually go to the local town to just, you know, become involved in uh, human affairs. I think what was their goal? They're, um, they basically want to make like a moped bike. Or what does that moped, what, what do they call it? It's a particular uh, bike. Vespa. Vespa. They, they, Brand name. They, they basically, yeah. like their whole friendship is originally based on like, we're making our own Vespa. And so you have this really adorable little sequence of them just constantly like using like makeshift materials to make their own Vespa and then just ride it down a hill. Hmm. It's, it's so freaking adorable. And then they dare to go to the town and then they see an actual Vespa and they're like, oh my gosh, we want that so bad. And I'll kind of stop there because I don't want to go too spoiler into the plot, but it, it involves like, again, that's their basically their goal in the story is one that, you know, coming into the human world, like we're gonna get a Vespa and we're gonna travel the world basically. And it's just these, there's just cute, 
cute uh, friendship tale, which is, I, I really dig. And um, it was, you know, again, chicken noodle soup for the soul. And I would say one of the, mm. uh, a perfect summer film because it is, you know, it's the kind of stuff you'd get into when, um, you know, young, when you're a kid growing up and you have like, and, and you're living that summer vacation and you're just getting up into silly shit. Like, okay, we don't have enough money to, to get an actual Vespa. Let's just make one out of the stuff we find in the car, in the garage. It, it, it really, it transplants, like you're saying, like the, the naivety as kids is amplified through the fact that they're not just kids, they are kids who aren't even from this world. Mm-hmm. So it's like double naivety, which is really sweet. And I think the thing that you're saying like that, I is really why I think it's quite, it's strangely remarkable is that it's actually just a very uh, um, confident film in, in, in how it's confident in the simplicity of its premise. Mm-hmm. And it's innovative, it's not innovative with plot in the way that, you know, sometimes Pixar movies I feel have this reputation of, and, and, and justly as well, of being innovative with story. And um, therefore that meaning pushing things in really unexpected directions. And this one doesn't really go in too many unexpected directions. It's just more like, to use a metaphor, it's a bit like, and I think this is very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, it, it's made by um, Enrico Castorosa, who mm-hmm. um, is a Disney, is a, sorry, is a Pixar guy who, um, who is Italian, uh, and uh, he's been working there, I think, since like the mid 2000s um, mm-hmm. as a story artist. And um, I've been aware of him for a few years because he's done like his own comics and things. And he's been like very, very influenced by um, by Miyazaki uh, films. And I think in the same way that like you can point to um, like My Neighbor Totoro and you can like tell someone the plot of that in like five minutes but it's not about the plot, it's about how it's told. And I feel like Luca is a very, very, um, in a way, like the hardest thing to do in many cases in in animation and in in making TV and movies is preserving a simple idea without too many people noting it to death and saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, is is this enough? Is this not too simple? Because actually, I think the, the feeling that I got like talking to people about Luca and my feeling watching it as well was like, this is really refreshing just how it's a simple yeah. idea, well done. I remember saying someone like it felt like an old Disney movie from like the 70s that hadn't really been released. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. In the way that beautiful. it's sort of like, it's just about having fun. And like, also you mentioned the animation style itself is, is and I don't use this as like a, a pejorative term at all, but like it, it's a cartoon. It's really cartoony, and they uh-huh. have fun with um, a lot of slapstick and um, big chunky designs and mm-hmm. oh, especially know, with the um, yeah. I've been talking about slapstick. Like there are two particular scenes. Definitely the scene where they're making the the makeshift Vespas and then just driving them down the hill. Like that that whole yes. a bunch of really classic slapstick. And even um, later on, there's a, I won't get into too much detail, but there's a scene with um, uh, football or soccer, if you're in the, if you're in the U.S., if you want to make sure we got the same football. Uh, there's, a, that, there's a scene with that that's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, and um, 
No, it's it's just a, a wholesome film that is mercifully 90 minutes. And um, yeah, like I said, it's like a nice little fairy tale, basically. It's, um, uh, was there anything else to talk about with it? Um, yeah, I mean, I've rewatched it like three times. And frankly, I didn't do that with Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, or, or really any other like recent Pixar movie, I don't think I've had the sort of rewatch value because it's about the experiences and it depicts things. It's just fun. It's fun. It makes me want to, um, to run and like swim and eat pasta and cycle and <laughs> be friends with people. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's a really great little movie. Yeah, so, make my own, um, make my own, make my, my own pesto, uh, pesto pasta that with that. Um, oh my god, definitely. No, so I immediately good. did that after watching that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, other movies. So yeah, like someone's been weird. Like even though there have been, um, you know, things that have been released like Space Jam Two, which I can't even. I was couldn't be less interested. I'm I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I, um, I have to agree with you there. I, I mean, it was something I, I remember watched fondly growing up, looking back on it, I'm like, mm, man, that, mm, there are some parts that really don't work. Well, earlier this year, before number two came out, I was like, okay, let's just see what number one is. Um, mm-hmm. Let's watch Space Jam. And I couldn't even get past like 15 minutes. <laughs> it, was one of those th- it was one of those things that obviously as a kid was fine. But mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even manage it. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Acting so yeah, um, so I, that one kind of passed me by. And then I don't think there have been many other animated films of there. There was... Um, Not really. You know, the th- the, well, the thing is as well, is that like, because, um, because by and large, uh, uh, COVID has still sort of made uh, certain uh, film distributors nervous about big releases. Right. You know, you've had things like, um, and I haven't even caught up on these yet. You've had Wish Dragon yeah. and uh, Vivo drop on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and the worst thing is, is like, despite, or maybe because of the convenience of Netflix, I haven't actually checked them out yet. Mm-hmm. So I've been meaning to, I think the one that caught me with, you know, the circles that I run in was the uh, um, Amazon Prime picking up all the uh, ever rebuild movies. Right. Okay. The Genesis Evangelion movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the later. How, how did that go? <laughs> I loved. I loved Evangelion as a kid. As a kid, as a teenager, I was yeah, kind of like the perfect age to watch it. Um, and uh, it really spoke to me. And I loved the movies they did in the nineties, kind of like wrapping up the story of the TV show. Mm-hmm. And then they started these rebuild ones. And anyway, I didn't like them much at the time, but I tried to rewatch them and I barely got through the first one. Oh, so wow. I don't, I don't know what, what, like, it's not called, the fourth one is not called four, it's called three plus one. Uh, oh no, we're getting into Kingdom Hearts labeling now. It's very much that kind of labeling um so oh, yeah dear. i kind of failed to watch that but you've been watching some animated films right you've been watching some chinese ones is that right yeah um and i i, I primarily blame this to my social group because um 
that you know these are my like my high school and college friends that I grew up with and you know we've all been into you know animation and primarily we've been watching like you know whenever there's a cool new uh, anime out we'll normally like hey hey check this out or let's watch this or find time to watch this or um every now and again one of them will be like oh wow here's a new uh online MMO thing that we can all participate in and have fun with and it's you know, sometimes we'll, you know, we'll feel it and sometimes we'll hop off. And I think I primarily blame this new fascination with um, Chinese uh, Donghua or, ja or Chinese animation or that's in a kind of like a, and you know, Japanese anime like style, but it's its own, you know, um, it's, it's a Chinese uh, product or uh, project. Um, I primarily blame this new fascination due to the fact that we're all playing uh, Genshin Impact right now and that it was made in China. So, you know, it has a lot of, you know, different like themes and stuff that you would find with like Chinese fairy tales and uh, mythology. And to all, in all honesty, if you're looking for a game that is going to kind of scratch that like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild itch, you, like that, that game is definitely going to have you covered. But um, what was really kind of fun over the summer is that, you know, there were a series of films and I'm trying, I'm, trying to remember the name of the film group um yeah because there, there's I think there's a bunch of different production companies involved in uh two movies um one that came out in 2019 which I got a chance to watch for the first time and then one that came out in 2020 uh late 2020 uh, at that um that uh, I watched just about a week or so ago let me see if I can look at the different because there were so many different production companies involved Beijing and light and light pictures Color Room Pictures, Zongchua, Hidao, Coco Beans Animation, like a bunch of different groups. Okay. Um, but uh, the one in 2019 is called uh, Neja, which I believe uh, we've, I'm not sure if we've talked about that specific film before. Yeah, I feel like we it's... might have, because it had a, it had a, I remember it had a big uh, UK and Ireland uh, release actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um but i but i actually it passed me by and it's surprisingly hard to find now um, it's still on netflix as far as i'm aware watch. i mean that's where i had a possibly on netflix it. us but it's um yeah anyway so um yeah netflix us um, yeah ne Neja was uh the first one is it sort of like a continuation of that story is it not necessarily um it's the this uh the second film uh jung jia uh, which is kind of a um, let me see if I can turn the, the, the little the literal translation Jiangjia uh, Legend of Deification. It is definitely you see it's got like similar ties to it, like it's got similar themes in terms of uh, the kind of interaction between you know um, kind of like what's the, what's the word I'm looking at because I'm only I'm, I'm very only very loosely uh, not have any knowledge of like. Chinese myths, etc. So mm. forgive me if I am butchering this. Um, it is kind of like an ongoing struggle uh, between those on the celestial plane, mortals, and then you have monsters and demons. Like uh, that's something that you see in both films because uh, there's a whole conflict in Asia is the idea that there is this uh, entity that was kind of a combination of good and evil that was contained and then it was separated into to two newborns to be reborn as uh you know new people one being pure the other being cursed and you know angry as you know basically a personification of a demon and the whole thing with nasia is that 
the person who was supposed to get the good half of that entity was supposed to be a human child, uh, you know, um, almost, I think it was like a nobleman's family. And, but unfortunately due to some uh, evil shenanigans, the bad half goes into the human child and that's who we meet as Nasia. And he's very powerful and chaotic. And the whole crux of the film is his parents and his mentors trying to guide him on a, a better path. And, uh, and that the journey he kind of goes on, which is really, really great because it's like, okay, when it comes to, you know, parents and animation, sometimes you can have varying levels of good versus, uh, you know, kind of incompetent a little bit. But these, the two parents that you see in Nasia as his family, you know, are absolutely adorable. Like the first time you see the mother who is pregnant with the baby, she is just like, gnawing on a chicken like a chicken drumstick <laughs> i'm just like yes that's the way you like it's people waste so much time like how do we make this character likable oh we have them no like that's how you do it you have them like sitting back eating a drumstick like <laughs> yeah and even later on like her <laughs> son who's like you know again he's basically supposed to be like a, a demon reincarnation uh, you know, stuck in his home because he's not allowed to go out and because when every time he does get out, he causes havoc. Um, and in order to entertain him, his mother is basically like, okay, let's play, um, what's this? It's not like, I forget what it's called. It's like a hacky sack or it's like a kind of like a thing where you like, the whole idea is to like keep the ball in the air or keep oh, the yeah, yeah. object in the air with your feet. And she's actively playing with her son, even though he's way super powered and like, whenever he kicks it back over to her, it like knocks her like several, several hundred feet. And she's like, mm. okay, okay, I got it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get my uh, warrior armor on right here. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> and I'm just like, mom of the flipping year right there. So a question I have for you about all this is that um, for, for quite a few years, there's this sort of feeling from um chinese studios who who like i i and this crosses over for me like into family entertainment in general but animation mm -hmm. kind of usually comes into that yeah um of trying to make mega hits in china mega hits elsewhere mm -hmm. and the problem always seems to be that china has such a rich um and dense past uh, mm -hmm. of preserved history but also mythology mm -hmm. that it's drawing on in, in a way which is um you know kind of how like uh, you uh, watching disney movies there's a feeling of like familiarity with say cinderella before you watch cinderella like you've heard mm -hmm. it maybe told elsewhere this isn't mm -hmm. the first time you're hearing the story mm -hmm. um and like I know Neja falls into that category and mm -hmm. uh of of like this is a familiar enough story that this is playing to Chinese audiences like hey here's a new take on this like a mm -hmm. like, like tangled right yeah and um, also uh uh jump but how the same way yeah so like for you like how does uh, and this always fascinates me because it's this it's, it's this big thing where um uh popular culture is still in many ways very very separated in the uh, let's broadly use these terms outdated as they are east and west mm -hmm. um 
where you know the one I always remember as well is like when The Force Awakens came out mm-hmm. um, China didn't have so much familiarity with Star Wars so right. they tried to market to them as uh, it was marketed in China as like here's a movie here's like a new adventure thing and so much of why that works mm-hmm. that movie was nostalgia and and the fact that it was um, a new spin on an old idea and mm-hmm. um, and it really did pretty badly in China because people just looking at it like yeah it looks like a like a sci-fi movie I guess you know, <laughs> that same kind of reverence um, and I wonder yeah I wonder for you watching these films whether you felt you've got everything or whether there were moments where you were like am I not like understanding the importance of this or did did you did you feel left behind at any point at at times at times I think especially with um Zhang Zia because there's a well as Neja has you know it's definitely based off a a story and but I feel like Mm -hmm. the important beats are Mm -hmm. covered and um enough that you're like okay by the time the movie's over like you feel like once all said and done you feel like you've gotten the whole experience right um i think jojo is a lot is a that i mean the thing that neja had going for it is it, it had a lot of comedy to it so it did it was not mm-hmm. like wholly dependent on the lore it was pulling on and the it little had a character lot of fun is like flex. really appealing he looks mm-hmm. like a little rascal whereas oh Jean god Gia yeah is he is like a tall handsome fella yeah right um he's he's supposed to be a really important uh figure in uh chinese mythology too i mean the whole story um of young jia is basically it focuses around a period of time where basically there was quite literal literally a stairway to heaven and Mm. a mortal could basically become worthy enough to ascend to that station and that is from my understanding again if I am incorrect on this or I misinterpreted from the movie, please, you know, forgive me mm. for getting it wrong. But my understanding from John Zia is that he was a mortal who ascended, uh, who ascended to being an immortal. But the story really takes place of post a pretty big conflict with a very powerful demon called, uh, which quite literally looks like the nine-tailed uh, fox, which is, and I love the way that they animate this creature in a different way. Like, because people would, you know, might be familiar with that particular uh demon or entity from like say other uh forms of popular culture like i know naruto most yeah, people might that know that the first from. One I thought of, yeah exactly yeah. but this is different like this is a different interpretation of that creature and i really 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 love the way that they handle that whole mm-hmm. that, that particular antagonistic force in this film um is very very fun to watch in terms of having a you know a primary antagonist but even then um the whole thing is that there was a big old war where they were fighting against her. They defeated her. She was set for execution. Zhang Zia was supposed to execute her, but as he was about to, she get the, the fox demon gives him this vision like, okay, if you kill me, you're killing this innocent child, this girl as well. And because of that, he hesitates and the rest of heaven kind of shames him and kind of puts him in exile. And all the while that, you know, he's in exile, he's always wondering, like, was it an illusion she was feeding me or was, or did I actually see someone? And then in the midst of his exile, he comes across a young girl who's trying to get to this uh, mountain, supposedly in search of her family, uh, Mm. who has fox ears, 
but her face is unmistakable. It's the same face of the girl that he saw in that vision. And so basically the whole crux of the story is him trying to get answers from the girl who's obviously had to uh, take, care, take care of herself for a long time. And uh, so she's not immediately trustworthy and she's constantly trying to like pick his pockets and steal things from him and other people. Um, but it's definitely like a, a companion movie where the two of them are traveling together uh, to kind of uncover the truth of both of the mysteries or why she doesn't remember how she got, you know, she got separated from her family. He doesn't know what that vision or not that he received was, you know, an illusion or if there's like, how is it connected to this young girl? And right. it's, it's, it's some heavy stuff. It's some, it's some heavy stuff, but the animation, like what was done benefit as well. is amazing in this film. Like every single time the nine tails thing is on screen, there's yeah. really creative creatures or um, entities that you interact, that they interact with over the course of the story. The set pieces are beautiful. Like I want to see more done by these studios together. It's, and I, hopefully there is after mm. uh, the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's the second installment of the Feng Shen cinematic universe. Yep. Uh, so that's, I guess, but you know, actually the thing I was thinking about just as you were speaking there was, the benefit sometimes of adapting uh, older texts, like particularly fairy tales and folklore, is folklore it deals with um, uh, sometimes pretty intense themes. Mm -hmm. But because it's folklore, we don't think twice about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually, it becomes like you know, and if your film is, if you if you run with certain ideas thematically uh it's unavoidable that you said like that things go to uh intense places mm -hmm. um, uh so yeah no um that's uh that's one i got i got to look out for apparently it came out back in february in the in the uk yeah yeah um, it's, it's it's totally worth a watch uh i have only watched it in english the english dub's pretty good uh yeah. But I would also definitely want to give this a watch in its, you know, original Chinese, uh, Chinese language as well. Sure, sure. Nice one. Well, um, I guess we're uh, we're heading towards the 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 the, the next uh, category. <laughs> the next uh, the next part <laughs> is um, we're just gonna like talk about anime because that's like a whole like we talk about TV and movies and things but like it's like oh, yeah anime is like its own category there's it's so like it's, a, it's, it's own thing and but also not its own thing because it could mean well that could mean that oh dan's watching polar bear cafe or dan's watching cowboy bebop like it's not really like um it doesn't mean anything but um <laughs> i've not really you know i've spoken about this so much on this podcast but like i have not had i find it really hard anyway to watch any tv show Mm -hmm. uh, that is a sizable commitment and I feel like right. anime in particular is like one of those things where I just the commitment of like watching 24 episodes even <laughs> even one season is just like ah, I'd rather watch a yeah movie. so yeah, it's not yeah, one that's... that I watch a lot um I tend to rewatch old stuff a lot but this year I've watched um Odd Taxi which is on Crunchyroll ah. um I haven't finished it yet but I'm digging the pants off it like it's so <laughs> Um, it's sort of like a noirish kind of, um, do you know what? actually quite similar to High Up Car, uh, a noir sort of adult story, um, 
about the seedy underbelly of city life mm. seen through the eyes of taxi drivers um, who are all animal. Uh-huh. And, um, stuff. It's really well-written and it's entertaining and it's funny. And it's kind of, um, you know, it's got like a late night kind of vibe it's you know it feels like riding a taxi late at night which can be exciting it can be a bit scary it can be mm-hmm. fine and funny but yeah um i recommend checking that out even though i've not finished it yet and i hear that it gets really goes some places mm-hmm. um but you've been watching anime i believe i have i've been watching Rage. a few things um it's kind of funny with all the anthropomorphic animal talk that we've been having this particular episode i'm kind of like I'm, let me talk to you about the second season of Beastars, which I have been watching, by the way. But you know, I was I, in a conversation with someone the other day, and they really um, sold me on Beastars, and I need to um, to get into that because it sounds bizarre. It is ex- incredibly bizarre, and I have to say though, I really enjoy the way, like, because the first season was like, okay, I really, I'm into, I'm into what it's selling, even though it's very strange. Um, the world mm. it's, it's it's giving you is very very peculiar. In terms of how they set up the whole social dynamic between uh animal people that are herbivores versus the uh carnivores but um then the second season is really going full-on uh more into like the mystery aspect because the first episode of Beastars starts with the murder uh and while the first season doesn't really delve too much into how what happened in that mur- in the like the murder it kind of uh, really examines like the after effects of it like because of who the victim was and how they died like it basically increases tensions in the school between uh, the, the school that the story takes place in uh between you know herbivores and carnivores uh but the second season is going full on into the actual mystery of okay but who did it because it's clearly someone from the school and okay and then it's going full on into figuring out that mystery and who the culprit was, which I really, really am digging so far. Mm-hmm. But another show that I um, am kind of using a new, like it, it just dropped on Netflix a little while ago. Um, and it is a reboot of a anime that came out. Oh God, I think I remember saw it. Like I saw like bits of it when it was on the air um, on like television in like the, I think it's the early 2000s, I think. Cause I remember like, mm-hmm the the television block where the show would be featured would be like next to like uh, episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh or something um was it a Fox Kids thing I think so yeah yeah pretty sure um and it is uh Shaman King uh which uh has recently gotten a reboot on Netflix and um I have not again I've only seen like like the first or so episode of it because I had never really engaged with Shaman King either as a manga or as a mm-hmm. anime previously. It really passed I, me by as well. I think the reason why I passed it by is because there was so much other stuff competing for my attention at the time yeah. that for whatever reason, that would just ended up being this, the show or the story that just kind of got fell through the cracks. But now that I'm rediscovering it again, I actually really super like the premise and the characters um specifically let me make sure i have the name of the main character because his uh well his, his first name is is yo like it's it's yo something um hold on i gotta pull it up here it's not your mama no it's certainly not um yo mama 
Shaman King. Hold on. Shaman King. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel I feel like that one really passed me by as well. And it's strange as well because I was of the right age, I feel like, to, yeah. to take me, but it didn't. Yeah. But I remember like it's really interesting how the anime opens because it's definitely when the protagonist like hit his just being born, and it's basically there's this uh demon or entity that they're trying to like they know like the family because it's all people who are you know a family of shamans people who definitely work with you know the spiritual and the supernatural um and these two babies are born uh both boys um i'm not sure if exactly they're 100 like identical twins but i think they're i think they're relatively identical twins and the eldest one gets again possessed by this kind of demon entity and like taken away and Mm. so basically the whole the kind of setup is that the younger sibling, who is our main character, um, make sure again, uh, Yo Asakura is mm-hmm. his name. And uh, basically it's kind of setting up that he is going to be the one to eventually conf- you know, confront this entity that has now you know, basically intertwined itself with his, with his sibling and kind of have that dynamic later on. But the, uh, the cool thing with Shaman King is that it's, Yo is basically a medium for spirits. Is that he's he, when you first get introduced to him, he is just completely like chill, blase. He talks with you know ghosts, like he goes and hangs out at the local cemetery and is just chatting with <laughs> the ghosts that he's that he sees there. Um, okay. And uh, the the char- the characteristic that I love about that so much is that he basically is always trying to keep his his head empty so that whenever like things get going in the way that this kind of like the shonen uh tropes i guess you would call them yeah get going is that basically the spirits that he talks to or needs to interact with they can just use his basically use his body to do do what they need to do because his whole his crux is basically giving them an opportunity to oh okay you have a regret maybe um i think the first episode there is a smithy who never got a chance to give a sword to a good friend of his in life so he's like oh hey use my body i'm a medium let's go ahead and make that sword for you and we'll give it to your other friend so you can so you can pass on in peace and it's it's nice though i really again i'm really curious to kind of get into the more like you know because it's a shonen show it's you know we're bound to get introduced to more cast members with their own unique connections to like different spirits and stuff and so forth but it's uh I like it I really like it a lot and it's it's I'm, I'm curious to explore this particular kind this this uh story that I unfortunately missed out on when I was younger cool. I remember I remember there was a lot of confusion though because I've content it's... I remember hearing stories from my friend who did watch the anime growing up on how yeah. awkward it was with the localization because Mm-hmm. For a while, like, you know, because as shows tended to do, they kind of show like, okay, this is definitely a show and set in Japan, but they're selling it as an American location. But then it got really awkward when the show's like, okay, the characters are traveling from Japan to America <laughs> for like in, like an American like mm-hmm. desert or mm-hmm. whatever, and they have to sell it like, oh no, we're leaving from from we're leaving, you know, we have they sold the location yeah, of Japan. Yeah, yeah. So where are they going? They're going to Japan and having like these big open. It, that always used to confuse me. I that happened in Digimon as well. I know, right? Like, yeah, no, it's um, 
so it's basically like it's like a shonen kind of show but it's oh, very, uh, it's extremely shonen yeah so i'm like i'm sort of just wondering like what's the point of the remake like does it do something that they couldn't do in the original because of like the fact that it was for a younger audience or like is it more violent or is it just like a prettier thing like why why do you think that exists the animation's definitely an upgrade um i will say that right. um but from what i can tell and i again this is only stood because i've heard it secondhand from uh from uh not from a diehard fan is that um the original anime didn't finish with the manga so i think the idea is that this is kind of like the full metal alchemist brotherhood kind of answer to uh yeah. shaman king where it actually right. got to finish the story so i think that's the intention with this with this reboot is that the the original didn't and uh what wasn't able to actually conclude the same with the same ending that the manga did so i think the idea is that people who are diehard fans who have always wanted to see the ending of the manga put to animation um it's getting that treatment basically mm. gotcha yeah i'm still you know it's because of like the ever movies where i'm sort of i feel like animation particularly um and particularly animation that's adapted from like comics like manga is mm -hmm. um sorry, like anime is from manga like there's a question to me of like remaking it where it's like how different is this going to be it's it, it's it's the it's the eternal um you know question that that we ask ourselves about shot for shot remakes where it's mm -hmm. like right is this much different or is it you know what's what's the use of doing this um mm -hmm. and it's something that i always sort of stop to ask myself when something looks uh so familiar as uh, right. so similar sorry um but sorry and it's, and it's made by netflix you say yeah yeah it's uh yeah. it's being produced yeah um but sure. I, i'm just basically very excited just to say that i have you know something that's relatively easy to access and actually watch this show that again i know people who really got into it and really enjoyed mm -hmm. it as a shonen anime and i'm like okay now i get to finally see what all the fuss is about and i will say as far as you know, most shonen protagonists can be like a dime a dozen. They're like, you know, like you've got your your Naruto's, you've got your um, Luffy's from One Piece, um, you know, Ichigo from Bleach, you know, like they're the and Deku from My Hero Academia. Yeah. Like they're all very like in in their own way, they're all very passionate about something. Um, and you can definitely tell Yo is also kind of got a similar passion to him, but he's in terms of what he does. But it's he's such a subdued character that i just find him a very nice breath of fresh air for the at least the type of shonen protagonist that i'm used to seeing mm -hmm. and just in terms of how just chill and laid back he is but he's also like there's a very just he's a very kind character too like he's basically like you can tell the one part of the reason he enjoys being a medium is that he loves uh kind of giving people you know who have passed on who have been unable to because of a lingering regret or something he basically wants to kind of lend an ear and say oh I'm, I'm you know sorry that you've had to go through this if you want something to help you you know rest in peace and be able to pass on properly here I'm I'm ready to help out hmm. it's just like he's very kind which I, I really enjoy seeing that being shown in a 
protagonist like right off the bat yeah i mean it's, it's the whole, essential it's the whole save, save be... the cat in terms of writing the save the cat yeah uh, it's term. well it's essential if you're going to be with a character for that long that there is that not, not every edge of them is spiky Mm-hmm. Um, despite or, their or, hair <laughs> or, or, or particularly yeah or particularly with teenage uh characters um petulance has to be part of it you know like that's why really when you get down to it like dragon ball is so good and naruto is so good because they have streaks of uh petulance and being selfish kids but it's about the rising above that stuff which is uh, what makes them the characters they are yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I, you're, you're right though about uh, access is really like it can't really be underestimated uh particularly mm-hmm. with something like netflix which a lot of people have mm-hmm. if something is on netflix like people are gonna watch it and find it and like people have been um mentioning like you know inuyasha to me recently and ah. um and oh crikey what's the other one well Beastars was another one and mm-hmm. um even Devilman Crybaby and and uh, Haikyuu mm-hmm. like all of these uh anime that like because they're on Netflix are just like very accessible and it means that more people watch them and it's only a good thing because I have you know like I'm an animator and I well I work in animation and I, I know lots of animators and people who work in animation and it's not really a surprise when someone like that like you know uh mentions to me like uh watching an anime but like other people in my life like parents and like other friends who aren't necessarily in that crossover um you know mention watching things on netflix because they're just there and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's great it's it's cool that it's um well, you know, like, I know this has been the thing since, like, the early age, you know, the early uh, uh, um, ages of, like, uh, uh, of anime kind of mm-hmm. being translated or just being watched by Western audiences, but mm-hmm. um, it's becoming more and more socially acceptable, which is yeah. uh, not anything that we've ever really cared about, but you know what I mean? It, it is nice because it means that things get better uh treatment and coverage and and more like cultural relevance you know it seems like um things are persisting a lot like like for instance evangelion like exactly more and more people have been discovering that recently and um anyway so um yeah that's been our uh oh you know, our, our, our summer catch up, our summer our lazy deck chair, sipping a lemonade like catch up. Sometimes um, a hard lemonade, depending on your preference. <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, yeah. Um, I guess I guess that's it. I, I I was about to wrap up the show then, and I'm like, hang on a second. That's not my <laughs> job. Uh, <laughs> Hey, if and you I, want to take over hosting permissions, script. by all means, I will let you do it. <laughs> well, um, no, I'm going to sit back and uh, say <laughs> thanks for having me, Rach. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I, I've always, you know, I'm always happy to talk talk about even just mm-hmm. general shop with you in terms of what, you know, I, again, I need to check out uh, High Up Kia. Uh, I keep mispronouncing it. High Up Ka. Hi up ka. I need to watch that movie. It looks like it's gonna be great fun when I when I get a chance mm. to watch that. 
Um, and I've been meaning to look into like just fun cartoon stuff. So now that I know that Jellystone is a thing, I'm definitely going to check it's that a, out. It's, that is fun cartoon stuff, whichever there was. Okay, great. Awesome. And hopefully if you have a chance to watch some some more movies, uh, let me know how you think of those. And uh, yeah, I'm also going to pose mm -hmm. that question to our, uh, to our uh, listening audience. If, you know, you have a chance to check out any of the stuff that we've uh, talked about today, you know, check out our various social media feeds and well, stuff uh, that we've missed as well, because I know yeah, that we've, too, like I've mentioned stuff like I've not seen Wish Dragon or Vivo and really need to catch up on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, just general like stuff that's come out so far in 2021, like we haven't seen, please let us know like, oh, if you've watched that, how was it? Did you enjoy it? What parts about it did you like? Because, you know, if we get enough requests of specifying, uh, you know, specifying one particular thing, who knows, we might uh, make sure to check it out and then bring it up in the next podcast. So just, you know, let us know what your interests are in and uh, we will follow up on that. Um, but yeah, if you want to just share that kind of, you know, what you've been watching or uh, the stuff, if you've been inspired to watch some of the stuff we've talked about today, uh, go to any one of our social media feeds, our Facebook at AFA blog, uh, Twitter um, at uh, AFA blog, um, we also on Instagram and Tumblr. And I think, I think those are the main, the major ones. Those are the major ones. Um, and of course, uh, if you would like to continue supporting both the website as well as the podcast itself, please go check out our Patreon and or our coffee page for virtual coffee. Always appreciate the support. Um, really haven't been doing too much on social media myself. I'll go ahead and make sure I give you my Instagram at, uh, fail to ninja. If you want to just see pictures of my cat or, the crazy shenanigans I've been getting up to with my uh, my birthday month this uh, this August. So feel free to check that out if you like. Um, I know Dan, you've you are you you still ghosting on the internet at the moment? Yeah, people can find me if they need to, but I don't really need um, I don't really need people finding me. And it's Fair more enough. a case of like I'm I've finally figured out like how to like hold it at something like a safe distance where I'm just like engaging where I need to and, mm -hmm. and not if I'm not so uh, yeah respectfully I think uh, that's something the whole world really <laughs> needs to learn how to do when it comes to social media that's that that's just my two cents but uh yeah healthy health health yeah we're talking about social distancing other than actual physically in terms of <laughs> yeah, safety it's, and health it's virtual, let's have a social distance from social it's media virtual social distancing yeah. wouldn't that be something oh my god hashtag social media social distance <laughs> that will never trend um but yeah uh thank you very much if you've listened this far into the podcast uh thank you very much for joining us we appreciate uh your you know support and hope you enjoyed uh listening to this as much as we had recording it and uh yeah we will uh be back with the next episode of the afa podcast when we can so Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you sometime in the near future. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. At Bush Gardens Christmas Town, rekindle the spirit of holiday traditions for you and your family. Delight in the wonder of over 10 million twinkling lights. Cherish the moments as you enjoy new holiday shows and visit Santa and Rudolph. And immerse yourself in a world transformed by the season at the world's most beautiful theme park. The holidays shine brightest at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Select dates through January 2nd. Right now, it's the best deal of the season. Save over 50% with tickets as low as $24.99. Restrictions apply.